Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. To Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. We're back at our regular time, Carl Reindler. 6 p.m. Sunday night is our slot for Gridwalk for the rest of this year. This is our show number two, and we're already into testing ahead of what is going to be the longest Grand Prix season of all time. Yeah, I'm still recovering from last week, if I'm being honest. How are you feeling? Because there was so much stuff to get through in that first uh, first episode back. Well, I listened into our podcast, so for those of you that might have missed it, you can get our uh, podcast off all good podcast shows where we gave a bit of a wrap and analysis of what's happened in uh, the off-season and started to look ahead of the season that lies in front of us. And uh, we had so much, I basically ran out of time at the end of the show and I was just firing, I was, was firing just, results uh, at you. If anyone listening last week will know that it was just yeah one thing after the other and we were absolutely shattered at the end of that, but we covered it all off. And we've had a week of preseason well, you, testing. You want to talk in... about shattered, mate? I actually sat up and watched testing. So I was sitting there, bleary-eyed. I feel worse for wear because I watched on one day six hours of testing. Yes, that is how much of a Formula One nerd I am. It was a good time slot as well. That first track session, I think, finished up at good about... Good time slot, mate. That... I was looking at the clock at 2 a.m. at one point. Okay, the first half of the day, I think, wrapped up about 10 p.m., which was not bad. I was supposed to be there, so I was well, I was a little bit gutted um, not to be there, of course. So I didn't tune in because it was just a reminder that I wasn't jet-setting around the world to uh, exotic locations. But, um, yeah, interesting uh, how it all kind of landed. Still really don't know how it's, you know, who's who's really genuinely strong. We, we always say... What was Christian Horner's famous uh, famous statement? Probably inappropriate to talk about that at the moment. <laughs> we'll talk about Let's Christian Horner down. a little later on in but this one, yeah. It, the, the, the saying is something along the lines of, until you get to that very first qualifying session of the first race back, that's when, uh, what, what was the what was the quote? Everyone drops their pants and uh, sees, <laughs> sees, sees what's on display. Oh, mate. That's why it's inappropriate, but so, anyway. do, you, do you want to bring that up a little later when we do talk we'll, about we'll Christian get, Horner? We'll, we'll get to that, but the truth is, that first qualifying session at Bahrain yes. next week um, is is going to be when we really genuinely know who's fast in qualifying. But we get a pretty good indication about race pace from the three-day test they've done at Bahrain. Hot weather testing as well. It's uh, it's always scorching over there. It's 35 degrees ambient uh, even even this time of year. But, um, yeah, some, uh, some, some indications as to who's going to be strong. The usual suspects to a certain degree, but... Probably some hidden surprises in there as well, which is music to my ears because the last thing I want, and I hope that everyone else listening wants as well, is 
is another domination of a season. But well, oh. day one was a domination, wasn't oh, it? Mate, day text, one of testing. I text you at the end of that day, and I was mortified. It was one point one seconds clear of P two. I thought the season's done. Max has won it. Game <laughs> over. But then. Day two, day three, uh, yes. we had red on top, which excites me. I uh, I really want to see well, the let's, Ferraris. Let's start to dig down into the three-day test we saw. If you'd like to join in the conversation, we welcome everybody to get involved today. You can call us on 1300 736 736, or you can join in on the Temper text line 0433 And just a big shout-out to all of our regular listeners. Jeez, I knew people were listening, Carl, when the feedback I got from my track limits – I thought was an innocuous track limits. It's always the ones you don't pick. I got some very serious feedback on uh, on Facebook in particular. Oh, really? Positive yeah. or negative? No, people were not happy with my take that Ocon might actually leave Alpine and go into the Mercedes seat. I got called a lot of very uh, choice names. But then, then Martin Brundle made the exact same statement, what, two days later. Uh, I still think it's legit and I stand by it. Yeah, and you, the important thing for you and your, uh, you know, Stroking your ego was that you you beat Martin Brundle to the, uh, to the, to the call. <laughs> oh mate, there's a couple today where I, I am beaten, and I'm going to reference Autosport today because they've been on to it. So a big shout out to Jonathan Noble and the team at Autosport. They've been red hot through testing. Just to, to recap last week's track limits, it was that there were going to be three Aussies on the grid in 2025. Yeah. I actually, for the first time in a long time, agreed with you. I, I think it's a very real outcome. Um, I thought it's in everyone's best interest to have Aussies and Kiwis on the grid. And uh, I'm surprised that you got some uh, oh, people some just choice, don't some think choice feedback. Esteban Ocon is uh, much of a driver. And we'll talk about Alpine a little later. But let's talk about testing. So if you want to join in, tell us what you thought of testing. If you think Ferrari are thereabouts. Because let's start pulling it apart, Carl. You mentioned before um, that day two and day three turned red. Well, I agree with you. And I looked at some of the long tyre runs and I've looked at the, the, the uh, we're not going to see outright lap pace, right? So they're all holding back. That's the big thing about testing. You Same don't want to show yep. everyone where you're at, but you've got to test still. You still have to work it out. I mean, Carl, you've raced at supercars. You raced in Europe. You raced in some of the highest former uh, um, forms of the junior formula. You know that you've, at some stage you've actually got to put down a lap and see what you've got underneath you. Yeah, it's it's just so different at this level, right? In Formula One, I mean, they can they can lean on the tire, they can they can have a good crack of a lap, but detune the motor. You know, they're, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna play to their strengths at different points, and yep. then kind of piece it all together with all the analytics and all the data and the stuff that's. Well, I'm going to go on a limb because not one journo is willing to say anything other than they keep saying, "Oh, no one knows anything until the end of the first session and whatever else." I actually think Ferrari. And, uh, and Red Bull, that battle is alive. I am telling you, it is alive. Ferrari only put the disclaimer there because they're very comfortable um, with the, the one-lap pace they showed last year. We knew in qualifying trim they were great. The problem they had was keeping a tyre alive long enough. They just The tyres died. They just couldn't keep a race pace up. I think they've been able to get on top of that with the new car and testing on the long runs. They were the fastest cars on the C3 and the C1 tyres. So for me, my taking from that with Ferrari is... They've got some direction. All of last year, I don't know about you, Cam, but I felt like they lacked a lot of direction throughout last year in a lot of different ways strategically, and, and we, we, we saw lots of mistakes. We saw Carlos, as the driver at, at the helm, take that un unbelievable victory at Singapore, and but he was exclusively responsible for that win. So the fact that they've got a bit of direction, they understood their weakness from 2023, and they've worked hard on it. I mean, that, that bodes really, really well. They're going to throw... 
I, I reckon they're going to be they're going to throw the kitchen sink at it anyway. But especially knowing that Lewis is coming in twenty twenty five as well, they want to make sure they've got everything lined up ready for a you know full assault on on next year's season. And and picking up on that point, the driver he's taking the seat of is Carlos Sainz, fastest of all at the test on day two. He had a one twenty nine point nine two one. It was the fastest of the three day test. And when I mentioned that long run pace, which driver for Ferrari do you think it was that was the fastest on the long runs? Carlos. Carlos Sainz. Mate, I love hearing that. I I think, personally, I think he's hard done by with that whole scenario. His, his pay packet alone for this year. I mean, it's a first world problem. Um, <laughs> arguing between $10 million or $30 million, But Whereas um, you and I are arguing over who gets the Mars bar this week. Exactly. I, I call dibs on it, mate. So <laughs> stay away from the Mars bar. Um, yeah. Ted, he's, he's a race winner in the last two seasons. I was there at Silverstone when he had his debut race win. I was at Singapore last year. You were at Singapore last year when he had that that phenomenal win. But um, he's just on the outer. Well, he's literally on the outer. He doesn't have a contract there, and he's trying to find a new home for next year. So he's yeah, he's out there to prove a point, show Ferrari. I mean, how incredible would it be if Carlos won a championship for Ferrari and then left. Hey, speaking of Singapore, by the way, the uh, the head of communications for the Singapore Grand Prix, Fiona Smith, one of uh, one of the rippers out there in Formula One land, she sent a message. She listened to the show. She loved it. She particularly liked our referencing and, and you talking about the goosebumps you got from their race. So uh, big shout out to Fiona and the team at the Singapore Grand Prix it, as well. It is a great team. It's one of my favourite events. I don't know about you, Cam, but um, if you're interested in going to a Formula One round, yes, the Australian one. We love the Australian Grand Prix. AGPC do a f- great job with Motorsport Australia but the next best, I reckon, is uh, is Singapore. It's just it's just such a good event, isn't it? We'll we'll stay on um, on Ferrari for a minute because day three it was red again. But Charles Leclerc was the fastest driver of all. Now remember, the fastest lap we saw was on the the, the second day with a one twenty nine point nine. On the final day, a 130.3. So they'd all just put the sandbags back in again yeah. and had pegged back that pace. Um, this is the challenge, and this is the disclaimer that even Ferrari said. Whilst they look great on their long run pace, and they look really good on the C1 and C3. So C1, if you are a brand new uh, listener, and we get quite a few on SEN that are new to Formula 1 and motorsport in particular, um, C1 to C5 is five options of tyre available from Pirelli for the entire season. When they go to a Grand Prix, they choose three tyres out of those five. C1 is the hardest of all. And a hard tyre, Carl, you know very well, means really long life, but slowest of the single lap pace. So it'll last you a long time, but it won't go very fast. All the way through to C5, which is the softest, which means the shortest life, but the fastest tyre of all. The, um, the running on the C3 is the one of interest because that's uh, probably the most used compound because no matter which way you go, you're pretty much going to end up with a, a C3. Yep. So the C3 running was the way of Ferrari. But the big question we all had was how much were Red Bull holding back? There was talk that they were carrying up to, yep, I don't know, someone jokingly said 80 kilos on board full tanks, and they had a detuned engine mode. Like it's, if they're doing that and still within, you know, a uh, a whisker of Ferrari, geez, it's going to be um, interesting when we get to qualifying, isn't it, at Bahrain this oh, look, week? I, I really hope it's not the case. I mean, there's, with the smoke, there's fire, right? There's got to be some truth to it. I think every, but I think everyone holds back. No one wants to show their hand this early in the season. But um, like you say, you still have to learn. You have to have to lean on it at some stage. Um, I don't know. The, the, the take as well, when I, when you listen to a few of the uh, the reporters that have been on the ground and what they said, you see all the team's reports, you, you look at the times yourself, McLaren seemed a little bit further away. 
I think uh, Mercedes are looking okay. I think Mercedes is going to be, it's going to be a really interesting battle that next lot. Aston Martin's there, like they were early last year. Remember, they came out of the blocks. Fernando Alonso on the podium. He was uh, he blistered away after the test. Lance Stroll, well, we'll see what Lance does. We don't know which Lance turns up on the day because he can be exceptionally quick. He just isn't as consistent as Fernando. So Aston Martin, Mercedes and McLaren. Now, you listen to Lando Norris and he seemed quite upbeat about McLaren. You listen to Oscar Piastri, he's not as uh, as happy with uh, with the, 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 the testing pace. Uh, you know what? We, we look at all the numbers. Like there's all the, the objective, you know, everything that's quantified. But I reckon the most telling sign is is the conversations with the drivers how confident they're feeling but when you've got two teammates within you know within mclaren or ferrari or whatever team saying different things that's when it's a bit sketchy i know dan i heard dan ricardo was obviously downplaying the pace of the go on visa cash uh the rbs we just call them the the visa cash app racing bulls Bulls. yes Yes, there you go v carbs or i think everyone In commentary land, we're going to start calling them RBs. RBs. I'm happy with that because it'll be the end of the season that I finally spit it out in one go. Oh, mate. How about Sauber and having to say steak and all sorts of other stuff? Right now, I am just trying to drill it into my brain ahead of the Australian Grand Prix that I don't come out and start calling them Alfa Romeo or whatever else. I don't have to worry about it. That's uh, that's a problem for you. Um, But you're right. That that battle for, you know, yeah, the third, third to six, like the teams in three, four, five, and six are all looking really competitive. You've got, uh, you've got uh, Mercedes, obviously. You've got McLaren there. Um, the Visa, the RBs, as we're going to call them. Um, I think it's going to be a great battle. Really good battle. We've got so much more on the show. I've pulled the pace back this time because we're starting to build up to a race. The race will have been run and done by our show next Sunday, and we'll talk about that a little later on in the show today. Remember, if you want to join in the conversation, we take all your calls, no matter where you are in Australia or New Zealand, one 736 or you can text us on the temper text line, 0433-981116. And right now it's time for a quick break on Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. Jesus, straight back into the season, isn't it, Carlos? But we've brought a few of our friends with us. One of our regulars from last year is calling in, Luke from Preston. Luke, what did you make of testing, mate? Well, boys, firstly, it's good to be back and uh, it's good to have you guys back on, on the radio. But, yeah, it's... So it was interesting to hear. I can see all the results and, and the times and, and whatnot. It's, it's really hard to obviously take too much from it. But I think the one thing we can nearly all agree on is the biggest disappointment's Alpine right now. Would you guys agree on that? I, mate, I've got it in my notes to talk about on the back end, so I'm actually glad you did bring that up. Um, Alpine, at this point in time, is looking to be arguably as bad, if not worse, than Haas. So that puts it into perspective. Yeah. Carlos, Carlos, your uh, your take on it? Oh, 100%. It's a massive step backwards for them. We obviously spoke to Valtteri last year about what was the Alfa Romeo team, now the, the stake team, and they shifted their focus to the 2024 season halfway through the year. And I get the feeling that the Alpine has just kept pressing on with the 2023 program, trying to d- develop that car, and then just missed the boat, like literally yeah. just missed the boat with, uh, with this year's car. And the trouble is you start the season off, uh, at this this far behind the eight ball, how do you recover from that? I just don't know. What's your what's your take on it, Luke? Yeah, so look, same thing. Like, it's pretty disappointing to see how far they've sort of stepped back. But 
you look at also McLaren at the start of last season, they were nowhere at the beginning of the season and uh, obviously came through really strong to finish off. But it really depends on how much time and effort Alpine want to put in the resources for this year or do they start focusing on the new regulations? So, look, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but we'll just have to wait and see. I think you've, you've basically you've summarised it beautifully, Luke. Um, I think they're probably looking towards twenty well twenty twenty five. It's not even the new regulations yet. yet. It's twenty twenty six. But you mentioned McLaren. That the challenge with McLaren last year is they don't know where they found their speed. <laughs> That's they, they they all claimed that they they got quick halfway through the season, but they couldn't figure out why, which is the worst possible scenario. So, so what I've been hearing about Alpine and um, is that they believe the philosophy they've got is right. The car is overweight apparently. But they've made it clear to a lot of journos um, in the the press circles around testing that don't expect much from them early, but they believe the philosophy they're built into their car will come good at some stage, much like McLaren. So, Luke, thank you, mate. Make sure you call in a lot this year, 6 p.m. Sunday nights, our regular slot, unless we've got uh, some other sports that are going to be pushing us around every now and then. And we do we do defer to footy. I'll be honest with you. We're going to be coming hard off the back all, of footy. We're all footy fans too, aren't mate, we? Whether it's, whether it's rugby or uh, whether it's league or whether it's uh, Aussie rules, doesn't matter what your poison is, we've, uh, we've got footy to contend with. But um, the good part is... Formula One always starts afterwards. So thank you very much to Luke. We're going to get now into our track limits. Track limits for Temper, a mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEN. Okay, that was a third stroke of track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? I told you last week I wasn't going to go controversial. And then, as I said, I got some pretty uh, interesting feedback that about was, my, my decision. It was an easy one, I thought, last week. You, well, I thought you, so. You're really kind to me, I have to say. Yeah, Something that's different. all right. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to grab a gear so I'm here. Pack, I'm packing myself no, now. No, don't worry. So track limits, for those of you who are new, I just basically make a take for the week. And uh, I get told by Carl... And all of you out there, whether I'm inside or outside track limits on it, I'd love you to jump in. Like Luke, our mate, just before, you can call us on 1300 736 736 or jump on the Temper text line 0433 98 11 16. And a huge shout out to Temper as well for coming back on board with track limits. Uh, they've put their money where their mouth is. And Jason Nicholas, the MD there, you could say he is almost the uh, godfather of this show. So um, he was the one that said Formula One should be on SEN. So thank you very much to uh, Jason Nicholas from Temper. All right, here we go. You ready? Sitting down? Fire away. Track limits. Okay, look, I'm behind the eight ball in that there's a a lot of murmurings about this, but I'm going to go very hard on my position on this topic. So this is not breaking news, but it's taking – it's my take on it. Um, Red Bull needs to sell Visa Cash App RB ASAP. A lot of uh, acronyms in there. At the moment, Formula One is not supposed to have junior teams. It can have some technical alignments – but the one team that has a similar ownership structure, so the same parent owns two teams, is Red Bull and the RBs. Now, for lots of different reasons that occurred, for lots of different reasons, which we'll start to dig into, Carl, that has been okay, or at least it's within the regulation as it is right now. But what I am saying is that there is supposed to be the intent of the rule. There is supposed to be no junior team relationships in Formula One. And I'll be honest, it's ridiculous that in this current day and age, Red Bull and the Toro Rosso Alpha Tauri Visa Cash App Racing Bulls program has been allowed to continue for so long. Now, let's 
look at what how it came about because as an F1 purist, this I'm going to give you a chance. This is in, juicy. I need some time to digest. Yeah, no. This one. Well, I'm I'm an F1 purist. So are you. Yeah. We've got lots of our listeners are F1 purists. We should thank Red Bull. Genuinely, we should thank them for what they did for the sport. Go back to the end of 2005 when Minardi basically sold. So Paul Stoddart, Aussie owned, Melbourne owned, a boy from Coburg. Um, he sold Minardi, who was on its niece, to, to the Red Bull family. Still kept that team intact, in still based in Italy. Then they held Formula One together during the, um, the global financial crisis. Thank you, Red Bull. But those days are gone, Carl. The sport is now arguably the best sport in the world when it comes to attendance, average viewer age, um, when it comes to financial clout. So it is time now for us to move on. So, the, And I would say that the sport has not only um, survived all of the downturns, it's actually thrived. And under Liberty Media, it is in a new era. It is time for the rules to be tightened up. It is time for the intent to finally be enforced and they need to sell that team. They need to move away from having two teams in one top-tier championship like every other sport in the world. So there's a lot to unpackage here. Uh, firstly, this has only come about recently. Why has it taken so long for this to come about? I know you touched on it, you know, the, the transaction with Minardi back in the day, but that was, that was over 20 years ago. It was, uh, it was a long time ago. But then where do you draw the line is my first question because you have – you know, Mercedes, for example, that, ha uh, you know, ha sell engines or have They've provide... got Williams, McLaren and Aston Martin at the moment. So they're in a strong position, you could argue, in a very similar way to, to be able to say, well, I want our contractor driver, our Mercedes driver to be here. It's it's the same... Could with... Mercedes steal Lando Norris right now out of contract from uh, McLaren? No, they couldn't, but they no. could. It, it gives them a stronger leg to negotiate on. It's very different. Do... Red Bull regularly steal drivers out of their junior team and put them into the top tier team and vice versa, switch them around. Back and forth. We've seen it, you know, yep. um, it's, it's happened several times. So look, I, I get it. Um, a technical alignment is different. Yes. There's a bit of a lean on you, but it is different to the same parent company. Yep. So the technical side of things, I think it's safe to say that there's no technical advantage in having a junior team. I, I'm so sure with the regulations, the way the FIA keeps keeps on top of it all that the the two teams are run completely differently when it comes to their philosophy towards engineering yes they make observations throughout the season they make adjustments they yeah we've, we've seen the mercedes this year look very similar to last year's red bull but for the most part i think the red bull junior team in its various iterations over the years has been a distinctly different car technically so i'm happy to call it at that we got a we got a text in on the Tepper text line from Paul. His take: the line is too ambiguous. That relationship is at the stronger end of the gap. At the other end is the partnership teams that purchase and use products from other teams. It's all or nothing, says Paul. Who wants a harder take or a hard line take? That's that's yeah, my my take. In, in agreement with you, and and for the most part, I'm I'm probably leaning towards agreeing with you. I really don't like agreeing with you, mate. Um, <laughs> but on in this situation, I I tend to agree. The other thing I. How does when you look at other sports, when you look at football, for example, or soccer or, or things like that, there are no junior teams for for that, right? It doesn't it doesn't work that way. You are a professional sporting team. Yep. There is no junior so team. Red Bull did make the statement 
Christian Horner made the statement because Zach Brown's put him under the under the pump. I like Zach Brown. Right? He, Zach he calls everyone out. Yeah. So in test, why this has blown up now? You asked that question is because yeah. it really blew up in testing, and I think what's happened right now is that with Christian Horner under an investigation, Red Bull dominating. Both McLaren and Mercedes are using every opportunity to destabilise that team. There is all sorts of rumour, gossip, innuendo going on in the paddock, and this is just another thing to try and destabilise them. But it's something I've felt uncomfortable with for a very long time, Carl. So now was the time to talk about it because it's being talked about. And um, Zach, oh, sorry, Christian Horner says, well, we have two Red Bull teams play each other in the Champions League. But the Champions League is the best clubs from different, uh, different series around the world. So it's, it's, it's like saying, you know, we have a, an IndyCar Formula One race off and they happen to have teams in both of those championships. They don't race each other day in, day out in their series. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement with you on this. I, I don't think it's healthy for the sport. I love the idea of having junior programs for, yeah, great. For in pathways. F2, it's F3, you look great. at, you know, Jack Dewan, we were talking about it last week, young Aussie, Mick Dewan's son. Kicking goals at the moment, um, did really well in F2 last year. He's part of the Alpine junior team. Uh, it's important that they have pathways and opportunities for young drivers. We were talking about um, Antonelli, the young Italian kid. Kimmy. I love that Kimmy. Kimmy. Is it Kimmy. Andrea? But it's, like, everyone calls him Kimmy. Kimmy Antonelli, the young uh, Mercedes uh, recruit, uh, who's, who's no doubt going to make his way to Formula One in the next couple of years. But separate to that, I, I actually agree with you, mate. I, I don't think... They should be allowed to have a... a well, wait, okay, so then let's, let's stay down the line. And as Paul pointed out there, I've said based on the numbers, I don't think that you could say the teams that have a technical relationship have the same closeness as Red Bull and the RBs and VCARB. Where do you stand on Ferrari, who have a relationship with both Haas and, and Sauber Stake in um, in their, their Ferrari power unit supply? Mercedes, as I mentioned before, have Williams, McLaren and Aston Martin. And of those three, Aston Martin and McLaren, they are financial. They have enough financial clout to say, thanks for the power unit. Here's the, the bill and away we go. But George Russell went through the Williams program. There's chat that they could be using Williams as their junior team. So where where do you draw the line on that? Because well, I, I'm kind of with Paul. I think you just got to be really hard line on it. I think so too. It is ambiguous at the moment. So we we the, the you know the limelight is on um, Red Bull at the moment because they're open about having a sister team. It's it's unofficial, I think, with with Williams and Mercedes. Um, a lot of the Williams drivers quite often get an opportunity at Mercedes. That's their that's their first first home in, in Formula One before they get the. Uh, the call up to the big the big team, so I think they need to come down harder on it. Um, having these these relationships like that. The other thing is from a voting perspective, getting things over the line. It gives them a lot more clout when it comes to voting things yep. in. So and knocking other teams out and potentially other in teams bids. out in yeah. bids. Exactly right. I think they should be independent, completely independent. But then where do you draw the line exactly? As you say, as Paul's alluded to, with engines, should they all be expected to produce and build their own engines as well? Well, hold that thought because we're going to talk about Ford, who had a big association. Well, it was more Cosworth, I guess, back with uh, Williams in the day. We'll talk about those a little later on. We did have another text message in the meantime, Carl. We'll address that on the other side of the upcoming break. It's how is Dan Ricardo going to go? So we will discuss that on the other side of this break. Remember to join the conversation. You can call us on 1300 736 736 or you can text us on the temper text line 0433 98 11 16. Time for another break. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433 98 1116. 
You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. DRS is open. Now it's time for DRS. Drama, rumours, socials. I've got a rumour for you. It's got to be something to do with you, Carl Reindler, because in that break, uh, for all of our listeners, if you want to get a bit of an idea about Carl... He walked out of the room, went and grabbed a Rubik's Cube just off a random table and had solved it before we came back from the ad break. In fact, he gave it to me with about a minute to spare. What What is wrong with you? I don't know. I just don't know, mate. I, uh, I, got, I got bored. I saw the Rubik's Cube. I, I, I hate seeing things that are incomplete. I could so. sit at this thing for 12 years and not get close to it. And you did mate, it in under three minutes. That's ridiculous. We've, we've got drama, rumours and social to talk about in Formula One. Go on, hit me. What have, what have you got <laughs> I'm this week? still getting over there. Well, actually, we got a lot. Not as much as we had in the off-season. We covered a bit off in uh, the first show last week. But let's follow up the Christian Horner one. So I didn't I didn't go too deep into it last week. And we there's not much we can say because we've only got rumour and innuendo, hence why we put it into drama, rumours and socials. So um, Craig Slater, I think that's his surname, from Sky Sports F1. So the Scottish bloke that yep. uh, always loves to have a bit of a chat. I know the guy. A bit of a dance. Yep. Great guy. Absolutely ripping guy. Um, he's come out and said that he thinks we're going to be hearing about the results of the Christian Horner investigation within the next twenty, sorry, 48 hours. So Monday or Tuesday UK time, which is, well, I'll probably give it an extra day to, to, to hit Australia time, which is huge because it means they want to deal with it before the first race of the year. Mm. The other thing is, obviously, Christian showed up at the three-day test as yep. well. He was there. He was present. It mm-hmm. was business as usual from Christian's perspective and Red Bull's perspective, which I thought was um, interesting. It wasn't put on, you know, you know, gardening leave or something for a, for a week or two until it was all resolved. But, I mean, with the smoke, there's fire, right? There's, there's obviously something that's happened there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what unfolds with it. Where does it leave Christian, though, and the team? Where does it leave not only Christian – where does it leave Red Bull? Yeah, well, let's let's talk briefly about what we know. We know that he's being investigated for inappropriate behaviour is the line. So for those that are listening in to SEN for the first time and wondering what's going on, Christian Horner is the team principal. So think in footy terms, the coach. Um, in cricket terms, the coach, uh, a team manager, the head, the head person that oversees it but doesn't play, essentially. So he's been, um, he's been with that team basically from the beginning. He was the youngest ever team principal. Young man got into the job and has led them through the Sebastian Vettel dominance, the Max Verstappen dominance, and now is being potentially taken down by alleged inappropriate behaviour, which we believe had a messaging app. It might have been a WhatsApp message trail is what the allegations are around. We don't have any information, so we can't say whether there's any validity to it or not. But the fact that uh, multiple teams have come out and made statements, can you guess who they were? All the uh, the competitors. No, which two did I mention off the top of the show? Toto Wolf from Mercedes, Zach Brown from McLaren. Yeah, have come out and made statements saying these are very serious allegations and they need to be treated very seriously. To that, I will add that Ford, the power unit, upcoming power unit partner with Red Bull, helping them put together the program, particularly into the next generation. Ford have come out and said they are waiting on the results of the investigation themselves because they are family values that have some very core principles and some core values. So a family company with some core values. So I say don't be surprised if they pull the um, Red Bull pin if the findings are bad. So there's big. broader ramifications here. That is huge. I mean, we've seen what's happened in supercars in recent times with Brody Kostecki and Erebus, but at a Formula One level, this is massive. And, and it has the potential... Something like this 
absolutely has the potential to destabilize a team that has been dominant for the last several seasons. So look, you don't want it to happen. Um, I, I hope, I mean, you want justice to prevail, right? If he's done something inappropriate, he needs to put his hand up and be accountable. The other he's thing- saying he's, he's proclaiming his innocence. So we will say yeah. that because we have no further information no, available that, that, yep. that um, we, we're sitting back and just saying, all we know is there is an investigation underway and we believe we will find out the results of that investigation some stage over the next couple of days. And then you've got Dr. Uh, Helmut Marco sitting in the background there as well. I don't know how he fits into this equation. Uh, I'm sure there's some internal politics going on there. He's just um, such a Bond villain, isn't he? He, I, I love a good, yeah, Bond villain. He is exactly that. But uh, it's like he, Blofeld or someone like that. He's just a quiet, you know, quietly spoken under the radar, but he's just, you know, he's... Uh, the velvet sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, the strategy. He's always, you know... 10 moves ahead. He is. We're going to keep going on this, though. So if anyone now remember, this is we are not going to comment on an ongoing investigation other than to report the information we've got available. So you can jump in, though, and have a conversation with us, one 736 or join us on the temper text line, 0433981116, Carl. I've got one for Drama Rumor Social. Oh, what's yours? Well, Gunter Steiner's obviously left, but he's got a gig at the Australian Grand Prix. He which does. Is, I'm pumped about it. It's going to be exciting. He's going he, to be covering some TV. He is on Channel 10. Yeah. So there you go. Our good mate, Richard Crail, who commentates Formula One for um, Channel 10 yep. in Australia every year. He is, he's one of the greats. He's just come off the Bathurst 12-hour as well. Crailsy, he'll be working alongside Gunter Steiner. Do you reckon they're going to have the beep button, like the dump button at the the ready with Gunter? I, you know what? You're going to have to, or you just own it and accept that there's going to be a few um, a few F-bombs thrown in the mix there. But <laughs> You'd be worried. <laughs> he is such a character, though. Is is Mark Webber back on board again? I know he's done Ooh. that with uh, with Crailsy. But... Do you want this? That's real DRS if we start getting Ooh, down that no. path. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to Did to you hear me? Did you hear the beep? I've got some, there's stuff I can tell you off oh, air. That, no, Mark's Mark's awesome and Neil's like, awesome. They manage yep. Oscar Piastri, so it wasn't relation to that. It was probably more the the media end. I and, see. And uh, we'll have a chat off air. If I see anyone at the Grand Prix, come and grab me, and we'll have a coffee. Right. Hey? We can't do DRS and then proclaim that to everyone. Secret, well, no, secret conversation. Mate, I, I can't. I can't no, I get talk it, I about get everything it, we it. know, can we? I mean, geez, Mark's we, done a really good job. The we last want to keep of years. a job, and we also want to keep our guests coming on the show. Hey, Gunter will be. Phenomenally exciting. I'm trying to get him for the show too at the moment, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I'd oh, yeah. love to have a chat We'll get good. Don't worry. We'll, oh, we do need a big we'll button, though. Don't worry. Oh, oh, we'll just say, yeah, we're on SEN. Hey, Chris, our producer, are we let Gunter okay? Yeah, thumbs up. He didn't even do the thumbs up, but I'm saying, <laughs> he's shaking his hand. All right, we're going to keep going on DRS because I'm going to steal a Will Buxton line. This tells you I did watch testing. Will Buxton rolled out with uh, what happens in Vegas doesn't necessarily stay in Vegas, and he was referring to drain covers. Don't give me that look, Carl. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Where did your brain go to? Elsewhere. No, I'm talking <laughs> about the, the, drain, the drain covers coming up on a couple of days. It's got to be something to do with the ground effects now becoming uh, so much more, uh, I guess you'd say, prominent back in the sport again. Yeah, look, I... I know Vegas, uh, the organisers there were heavily criticised at the time for it. Yes, they lost a lot of time. There's a due diligence process that needs to take place. Once something like that happens, like that could potentially be catastrophic. What happened at the first Baku? Yeah, Baku as well. Uh, Shanghai. It happened at Shanghai. Maybe it wasn't... um, It was supercars. It was supercars. It was Frosty, Mark Winterbottom, that... uh, Almost got severed in half by one, which uh, which was awful, but uh, he got away with it. But um, I, I think it's going to be an ongoing issue, these these drain covers. And, and you're right. I, I raced A1GP for Team Australia. Got a podium too, didn't you? I got a podium in Beijing. Oh, there you go. And a, a manhole cover, a 20-kilogram manhole cover. And, and mind you, these cars were not producing the same ground effects and... Um, 
forces that uh, that F1s were, but lifted this 20 kilo drain cover over the fence into a grandstand that happened to be empty because it was A1 Grand Prix. (laughs) That's not nice. (laughs) It was a great championship that one, but it, it, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time, but it's something that does need to be addressed because that is potentially hugely dangerous. Yeah. A, um, A1 Grand Prix. Could we ever see that again? That style of thing where you had it country versus good, country. Well, I loved it. The World Cup of motorsport. Yeah. You, you didn't have to follow the driver. You just had to follow your nation, your team. It was brilliant, I thought. Oh, hey, we team saw drivers team. like Alex Pramart that then came out to Australia involved in it early on. There was the Dutch team, the, the Aussie own, team. We were Blickemol, and he was yeah. a superstar in that in those cars and still still competing in sports cars to this day. And then they tried that Super League thing with all the Champions League football stuff. That our own Johnny Martin went and raced him with Alan Docking Racing and everything else. But yeah. that's I'm now so far off Formula One. We've ended up in uh, open wheel um, grid walk now. So let's get back on F1 though, because I'm gonna otherwise I'll be off on another tangent. Hey, um, here's one for you. This is a bit of a, a lot of people. This is going under the radar of a lot of people, particularly um, in our world when we come to our show and we normally lead into a Grand Prix. Not for the next two weeks. The Grand Prix is happening on Saturday in Bahrain and Saturday in Saudi Arabia. So it'll be Sunday morning, Australia and New Zealand time. That's great for us. It means we get a bit of time to to recover before uh, back to the back to the grind, the Monday to Friday. But um, yeah, it's it's it has to be done. It's the respectful thing. It, it's well, yeah, we probably should tell people why that is, and it's because Ramadan starts on March tenth, which is a Sunday. So the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was supposed to occur on Sunday the tenth. But due to uh, religious expectations, that Grand Prix will now happen on the Saturday. And then the FIA regulations come into play and they say you cannot hold a Grand Prix closer than um, one week apart. So seven days. So as a result, Saudi Arabia coming forward one day, Bahrain being the week before means Bahrain has to come forward a day. So we've got um, Saturday Grand Prix for the next two weeks, but Ramadan helps Australia next year. So if you missed our first show uh, last week, we talked about the fact that Australia is most likely going to be the first race of 2025. Is it still most likely or? Well, Yes, it's, but it was a very good chance. It still has to be ratified by the World Motorsport Council of the FIA. So we can say it's on the list, but until they put that signature on it, we can't say that it's happening for sure. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be a ripping race uh, start of the year. Carl, we've got to take another ad break and we're going to be coming up with the end of Gridwalk where we start looking ahead to Bahrain and the first Grand Prix of the year. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433 you're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. Predictions time, Carl, because next time we are on air will be after the first race of the year. So now let's look at some of the teams at the top and let's talk some of the midfield battles as well. And then we'll even touch on who you think is dead last. So we might start to build into some of your little predictions ahead of the first Grand Prix of the year in Bahrain. It pains me to say this, but... I think Red Bulls are going to be the fastest next week. Uh, The other thing that we haven't spoken about yet is the speed traps. Red Bull have consistently been the fastest in the speed traps as well. In racing, in the testing, they were probably running full wing. Yeah, but this this is the thing. So they're going to be fast in a straight line. All that means to me, all that says to me, is that they're going to be not only fast and they're going to look after their tyres, but they're going to be raceable as well. They're able to overtake, but they're also able to defend. So, Can you give any hope, please, to our listeners? That's We're talking about Max here as well. As far as Checo, I mean, I think it's wide open for the rest of the podium, and, and you really cannot go 
past Ferrari at the moment. I think they're looking super, super strong. I think that's where it gets interesting after that, though. That midfield battle for, you know, P, you know, P3 and constructors is going to be super, super uh, hard, you know, fought battle between all those, uh, those teams. McLaren looking pretty good. The RBs, as we're uh, affectionately calling them now. We, can we stick with that? Yeah, we can. RBs, no, 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 you can go with that. Yep. Uh, if you are listening in, anywhere you are in the country, we have quite a few listeners in New Zealand. In fact, um, SENZ is one of our uh, one of our favourites. So we've got quite a few over there. Remember to text in and tell us your predictions. We'll say, Max, let's just lock him in as the absolute favourite because I think it doesn't matter who you speak to, three-time world champion, incredible pace, unbelievable team. Let's just lock him in at number one favourite for the weekend and let's start working our way down from there because you cannot lock... Checo Perez into second. No, you just can't. Look, I'm going to say Carlos Sainz in second on the podium. And I'll say Charles, Charles Leclerc. But I'd love to see Carlos, you know, get get the edge over, yeah. over Charles. But I don't know if, you know, Charles is going to end up with uh, preferential treatment knowing, the you know, the current state of play within that team. Well, let's start talking Aussies because at the end of the day, Aussies, we don't have a Kiwi in there. We'll have Liam Lawson hopefully on the show again well, a little later on. Finally... Get back to that text that we received yep. halfway through the, uh, yes. So your take, how is Dan Ricardo going? I think he's feeling confident. Um, I know he's he's not 100% confident in his car, but in his headspace at the moment, we spoke about it at the tail end of last year. Having a little break was probably the best thing he could have done. He's been in Perth over the off season, out at his farm, you know, racing around on dirt bikes and catching up with schoolmates, which is the best thing he can do to recharge his batteries. So I think he's in a really good headspace going into the year. Uh, fifth in uh, day two of the testing. Yeah. I, um, I, his teammate Yuki was fifth on day three. I, I reckon they're in the uh, in the ballpark. The, the, the great thing about Daniel is his leadership skills, and he will just continue to motor along with that team, providing the appropriate information to, to improve that car. So, fourth day one of the test as well. Yeah, they were thereabouts, the RBs. I, I genuinely think they're, uh, you know, they're in contention for some, some podiums at some stage this year. So, what, what about Oscar? Oscar. What's interesting, we spoke about it before because Lando and Oscar had a very different take on their three days of preseason testing. Oscar was a bit sceptical about where they are with the McLaren, but McLaren showed last year, no matter how poorly they start, and, and I think they're in a they're in a strong position, they, they're able to find something. Um Oscar ninth on day one of the test, but remember Lando was was much further up the order, and they do sometimes split their strategy. Lando was fourth on day two, um, and then you look a bit further down the order. Oscar was in tenth, so ninth and tenth on those first two days. This is why I think the difference I said off the top of the show that Lando was a bit more optimistic, and and um, and Oscar probably wasn't so uh, buoyant. Yeah, I don't think the McLarens are going to be quite as strong as what we saw at the tail end of last year when you know Oscar was getting pole positions and uh, we've got the race the race win in the sprint at Qatar. I was there for that, which was bloody brilliant to see an Aussie standing, you know, receiving oh, that. It was amazing, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. <clears throat> so to finish that off, he was seventh on day three as well. So was it ninth, tenth and seventh across the three days of testing? But it's testing, doing long tyre runs. They're doing high, heavy fuel runs. So we can't read too much into it. But in that battle with Lando in his second year now, 
So remember, he was a rookie last year. First time he's rolling up in Formula One. He, we, we actually failed to mention this last week. He won the Rookie of the Year award for Formula yeah. One last year, which is a massive accolade. Like some of the guys that have won that award in the past. I mean, Lewis Hamilton being one of them. By the end of last year, though, we had him as an established Formula One driver. I think we just forgot sometimes yeah. that season he was a one. rookie. Yeah, and he'd had a season off any racing preceding it as well. Now, so. we are inside the last minute of our show, Carl. You've done your predictions up the top. So now I'm going to give you the midfield. So we go Red Bull over Ferrari. Yep. Who is the next best team? Is it Mercedes? Is it Aston Martin? Is it uh, McLaren? I'm, I'm going to say Mercedes. What's your, what's your pick? I'm going to say McLaren's going to jump back out of the box. I think Aston drops down. Uh, I think Williams starts to push up and be a threat now. I think they're going to regularly get points, at least with uh, Alex Elbin at the moment. He's doing so well, isn't he? So remember, tune in next week. We'll be back on again Sunday night. It'll be after the race. Then we'll be doing it again the week after and so on, so forth. Carl, your first race, you'll be in the medical car, will be Australia. I'll be back behind the mic in Australia as well. Thank you for tuning in to Gridwalk. Remember, next week, Sunday night, 6 p.m., it is straight after. Well, not straight after. It is a race recap. Hope you enjoy it. Remember to tune in and we'll see you all next week.